Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. Bucks and Brian jumping on for a quick hitter episode as we shake, rattle, and roll out of the weekend, game week four, and into the first of many midweek fixtures, game week five, right around the corner, less than 72 hours until jump, and it gets going on Tuesday. Brian, I know you're a little hungover, but how you doing? All good, Bucks. Thanks for jumping on with me to talk about this weekend's roundup of matches. We had one of our good mates' weddings this weekend up in the PAC Northwest. So I'm away from home, but still dedicated to the pod and dedicated to our FPL teams, as always. FPL never stops. Travel schedule, content creator schedule, be damned. Let's get into it, Brian. How'd you do in game week four? All things considered, I had a pretty good game week. I ended up on 65 points, had a tiny, tiny green arrow. But when you're 2.8 million in the world, it's uh, easy to go down 100,000 places. So uh, small green arrow. But uh, I made two transfers this week. I brought in Rodrigo and I brought in Saliba for Rabo and Bailey. And so ultimately, ended out pretty, pretty decently. Saliba came in huge for me with seven points. That was um, a kind of a last-ditch effort. He gets hit in the head for the assist to Gabriel, and the Gunners stay undefeated. So that was a good moment because then he also got on two bonus. So huge seven-pointer considering I took out Rabo, who had nine, who I know you smartly hung on to. But it helped me uh, free up some money as well, which I need to upgrade my position in goalkeeper, which is Ward. He played four matches for me, and he has four total points. That is really, Yuck. really hard to do. Uh, elsewhere in the squad, uh, the likes of Holland with 17, TAA with 17. Those dudes are monsters. And only disappointment other than Ward is Sala. And I know it'll be a hot topic throughout the FPL community, but somehow they light up Bournemouth for nine goals and he gets three total points. So captain for six. One free transfer going in this week into Tuesday. Don't forget about those deadlines, ladies and gentlemen. You'll have um, you know two game weeks coming very quickly in succession. How'd you do this weekend, Bucks? Yeah, I also had a relatively decent yet not so uh, thrilling or exciting game week. I ended up on sixty nine points, which is nice, but uh, the red arrow was not so nice. nice. Yeah, Captain Sala just let me down, let a lot of the FPL community down with six points, but TAA uh, for 17, Holland with 17, Rabo for nine, Reese James with seven, and Cucurella for five. So starting to get returns and uh, big at the back uh, outside of Jao Cancelo really did work in game week four. So I'm hoping that trend continues, that they'll be reliable for minutes and that uh, the points will be coming in bunches for my uh, big at the back strategy. Yeah. I mean, to get two assists from your Chelsea defenders in a match where they go down to 10 men is a huge result. And we see once again, you know, James is also in my side. He ends up with an assist and picks up two bonus points. So it's the second time this season where we've seen Chelsea concede and yet James's attacking threat gets him an assist and he gets on bonus. So just a super valuable player. He's worth holding on to for the long term. And Cucurella doubled up. He gets uh, chips in with an assist, too. And, you know, we'll talk about the Chelsea match a little bit later. He had a couple of chances uh, that he put on a platter for the rest of his teammates and was Pretty unlucky not to get even more points. So you should be feeling pretty spry heading into these midweek fixtures after a, a decent performance from your defenders. 
Cucurella honestly should have probably bagged a goal. Um, so he could have been uh, on close to 20 points if everything broke right. Uh, obviously, Chelsea go down to 10 men, but Sterling was the best player on the field. He got a brace and he's featured in the manager of the game week's side. Uh, so without further ado, congratulations, Nabir Islam, his team, Nunikin Skywalker went absolutely berserk in game week four. The average was 62 points, but Nabir's team went triple digits crazy. He had 110 Ooh. points all out. Uh, so massive golf clap to Nabir. He captained Trent Alexander-Arnold. So whereas Salah captainers got six points, Nabir ends up with 34 points. Well, that's a big difference, uh, even without me knowing math so good. He also <laughs> had call. Holland for 17, Sterling for 15, Luis Diaz for 14, and Pascal Gross for 11. Not to mention the guys that just chipped in single-digit points, Reese James with seven and Perisic with six. So he had returns across his side. Top 15,000 finish overall this game week. So huge, huge congratulations to Nabir. Way to boss game week four, man. That was awesome. Yeah, love seeing those differentials for Nabir as well. Sterling, Diaz, Pascal Gross, some really good differentials in there that came good. So yeah, very impressive and hopefully he can keep it up. So let's jump into our top four now, taking a look at the FPL Blues League. We have... <laughs> I was like looking at the team name. <laughs> this is what happens when you're coming out from a wedding weekend. He didn't have time to really uh, look over the rundown. So you're getting to see it firsthand. Uh, kudos, Lucas. You got a little laugh on your clever team name. Yeah. Look ass with $2 signs. Lucas Sterling. He's in first place. Um, he captain Holland. Congratulations. Great week there. In second place is blue and exile, AKA Danny Watkins. In third place is Klopp Drops Clappers, a.k.a. C.J. Wudeshek. And then in fourth place, to round out the top four, we have Shen Hua, Dennis Tia in fourth. Shen well Hua, yeah, baby. Oh, Shen Hua, there we go. Some of these team names are all uh, very uh, different, so glad to see some variety in the top four. Yeah, bravo to the four of you for crushing it uh, coming out of the gate for the first month of the season. And there will be many more podcast shout outs and manager of the game week opportunity. But the window to get involved in our mini league is closing. So if you are not entered in by the start of game week six, transfer deadline is going to be Saturday morning. We will be closing the league on Friday evening US time. So make sure to get involved. The lead code is 4MUMS. Two, four moms, two. Get involved, get your mom involved, get your mates involved, sister, brother, cousins. We want them involved if they play FPL. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with a recap of the matches and the top performers. And we're back. Let's dive in and do a quick recap of the top FPL relevant matches in game week four, starting with Brighton one, Leeds zero. Unexpected top four clash to start the season. Yeah, and one team is still in the top four after this one, and that's Brighton, obviously playing at the Amex with Graham Potter's side in great form, and they pull out another victory. Very impressive to see 11-pointer put in by Pascal Gross. Uh, I think he had six points the week before. So this 5.5 gem is rising in price, 
each and every game week, and he's looks locked in the side and a great option. The one that we all thought Neto was going to be when this season started. Uh, so very surprising to see him kick off the season this well. And then Bob the Monster Sanchez, another eight-pointer, and he's at $4.6 million right now and looks to be a top-cut choice in FPL at this small price of $4.6 million. Yeah, safe to say he's the best keeper in the FPL game right now. I mean, I think it's he's head and shoulders above the rest with the way that Brighton defense are playing and the way that he actually is getting bonus uh, to start this season, which is very different than seasons past. Taking a look at this match, Leeds had a XG of 1.15, so he made a lot of crucial saves and once again earned bonus points. So uh, with Brighton's fixture run coming up, he's a uh, transfer target for me and probably anybody that has the Iverson Ward combo. So we're seeing some good 4.5 to 4.6 million pound options really emerging between him, obviously Hendo, and then the likes of Raya. So good to see those players um, really performing well. Yeah, let's keep it moving. Liverpool 9, Bournemouth 0. Live by the sword, die by the sword. And Bournemouth, wow, shock and smash back to reality uh, after a really strong opening game week performance from them. And they just got butchered at Anfield by Liverpool, who sliced and diced them all the way up and down the pitch. Standout performer in this one was Bobby Firmino. Shockingly, he had a hat-trick of assists, brace of goals, and three bonus points. He's the top-scoring player in the whole game week with 22 total, which is massive because I think he looked done and dusted in their match week against United. So this is a real return to grace, I would say, for Firmino. He looked fantastic. Luis Diaz looked fantastic. He ends up with a brace and 14 points. TAA looks spectacular. He gets a goal and assist and a clean sheet for 15 points total. Pretty much, if you played for Liverpool, you got a return unless... You were the most popular FPL captain option in Mo Salah, who gets blah, 90 blah. minutes, 90 minutes, no returns, despite having an XGI of almost 1.5. So he was really unlucky. And yeah, just uh, that's the game, ladies and gentlemen. FPL can be a cruel, cruel beast, a cruel addiction sometimes uh, if you're a manager like Brian and I. Yeah, Bobby Chompers, again, he's using his pearly whites and gobbling up all the FPL points this game week, and Salah gets nothing. Uh, I thought it was also interesting, though, in this one, like... I like that. We <laughs> we had Salah stay on nearly the full 90 minutes, even though they're up 7-0. Like, he's still out there. Klopp was really wanting to make sure that he's rounding into form, and he had some decent chances, but comes away with the bagel. I mean, this had shades of the Kai Havertz blank versus Norwich in the 8-0 match last year when the Chelsea Blues won. And unfortunately, captainers get no points from Salah. So those players, again, who went TAA or maybe Holland had huge rank rises because of this blank. It should be pointed out that Salah was the 11th highest scoring Liverpool player. So if you touch the pitch and you were wearing the Liverpool jersey, you outscored Mo Salah, who I'd argue is the best FPL player I've ever seen. So a uh, really shocking result uh, on the scoreline and for FPL purposes. I mean, having removed Rabo as well this week, once it was 5-0, I, I pretty much stopped watching. I'm like, I can't I can't deal with this. I got to flip over to a different match. I, I can't, you, you know, ha- not having Diaz either, who comes into a, a brace and 
pretty lucky in this one for Diaz to only get 14 points. Um, you know, I, I thought he could have easily had more and usually a brace nets you some more bonus points, but a couple players in this match even outshined him. So we got lucky there uh, from an FPL standpoint, but he's already got three goals in this early going and he's kind of the standout mid-priced midfielder at 8.0 that uh, we were hoping that Mount or Madison or maybe even the likes of Foden would be. So congrats to those who went with him um, over Rabo. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, easy transition. I noticed you didn't include Mares in that rundown of 8 million midfielders. Uh, neither did Pep. He didn't include him in his team sheet either. Man City go down 2-0 against Palace at home in front of the Etihad. And... This was shocking because they stormed all the way back to get the win 4-2 Erling Holland. Holy shit. That guy is some player. He ends up with a hat trick. He looks spectacular. Probably could have gotten a red card with a high boot right to Joachim Anderson's head. But we don't talk about that. We just take the FPL points and run. And that's what City are going to do all season long. They are just tacking up points left and right. They look really good. Impressive from Palace. Uh, we should not gloss over how they performed. They scored two goals from an XG of under 0.25. So really clinical <laughs> for them. And they were missing their best player, Will Zaha, who came out with injury. So I think Palace are a team to watch. They have some really good young midfield talent. But until Zaha comes back, um, that's going to be scary times for them as they look to stabilize and continue to stay hot this season. Yeah, the one who watches as a I know we shouted him out last week. He ended up on three points last week and got a bonus, even though he didn't really get any returns in that match. And he's just the creator on this side. He picks up five points um, on those set pieces. And he's definitely a player that could emerge um, if you're looking to get a mid priced, maybe even a rotation guy on first wild card. I like that call. Uh, one more thing just to add on Holland. He now leads the league with six goals through four matches. Uh, safe to say that he will be rotated with these midweek fixtures and Champions League coming up. However, I think he's firmly a hold uh, because his explosiveness is just crazy. And I think that City could easily be scoring three or four goals a match uh, from now till the end of the season. So he's expensive and he's priced like a premium and he plays like one. So when he starts, you can expect points. Yeah, this one was interesting as well because we got a blank from KDB, which is rare for City to score four goals and have their best creator blank. But when you look at Holland, even if he plays 20 minutes, he has a chance to brace coming off the bench. That's how informed he is. And just the way that he fluidly moves in and out of the pockets of space, he can poach goals, he can shield off defenders on a break, on a through ball. He's just the complete package. And I think he's a player that you're going to want to keep as long as he's healthy and just ride out those minutes that he might get rotated for. Again, it's going to happen to a lot of players um, with the top lads playing in Champions League as well. So just ride the roller coaster, hold the faith. Those managers who are thinking about maybe moving Holland to Kane or vice versa, I think you just stick with the one that you have and then even consider the double up of those two up top with maybe even Jesus on first wild card and We'll see if we see a lot of managers shift away from Mo Salah at some point. But overall, City, uh, overwhelming. A few other notes just want to point out because it's, again, City and they have so many assets that are relevant. We saw Phil Foden start on the left. Grealish is still hurt. And then we actually saw Gundogan, who's been in form. He starts on the bench. 
with that being said, he comes on to the pitch and he gets an assist for right away, uh, likes yeah. Of, yeah, for the likes of Holland. So I think he's a player too. If you have him in your side, he looks very uh, spry. So just hold the faith with him. And the only thing that I thought was interesting about this match was how early we saw Cancelo get subbed. Um, you know, maybe that's a good sign that he got a little bit of rest in this match. But as soon as he was kind of taken off, they switched up their formation a bit and then they went on to score three more goals. So just something to watch and see how his minutes also get rotated because he is so vital to the city team. Yeah, he's one that uh, is not performing up to expectation, to say the least. Keeping it moving, Arsenal 2, Fulham 1. We touched on the Saliba assist off his face, and the guy that banged it into the back of the net was Gabriel. So those two defenders for Arsenal go big. And this is an important point in the season because I'm a Ramsdale goalie owner, and all the players that are outfield players for Arsenal are getting returns. And Ramsdale is just taking up a really valuable spot. So we shouted out, Robert Sanchez earlier in the podcast, if you have two free transfers and the rest of your team looks well settled, I would not shy away from moving Ramsdale to Sanchez to free up a future move to bring in an Arsenal player. I mean, they are just banging on all cylinders and they're top of the table and they have not dropped points, let alone any results this season. Yeah, I want to comment on the breakdown of Ramsdale as an FPL keeper. This is a side under Arteta that is obviously trying to mimic a lot that City does. And they're having more possession. They have higher quality players on the pitch to uh, play out of the back and complete those passes. So we're seeing Gabriel Zinchenko, uh, who was rested for this one, and uh, Saliba get a lot more bonus. And they're not giving up as many chances as they did last season, where Ramsdale was getting peppered all the time, and he would make three to six saves a match. And so I think you're really seeing the upside of Ramsdale be limited and he's becoming more of a Ederson light where he will only make one save or two saves a match rather than the three to six that you really want to try and get some FPL upside. So I think that's really interesting moving forward. You want to probably use that slot for one of the other cheaper Arsenal assets. Yeah. And the cheap Arsenal assets abound because in this match for the second game week in a row, Odegaard was the standout performer from them Uh, from an attacking perspective. He gets a goal and three bonus. So he ends up on 10 points. So uh, just their team is filled with affordable FPL relevant players. So having a valuable spot be like an Allison for Liverpool. Same story is true right now at Ramsdale owners at Arsenal. You want to have three outfield players, even if they get the odd benching like Zinchenko did where he missed the match entirely. I just think Zinchenko is a lock now to play their next game week where, you know, we expect Arsenal are going to be heavily favored. So it's all good things. The points are going to add up because you're chasing the upside. Let's keep it moving to the last match. Just wanted to give credit to Arteta and his staff for the start that Arsenal have had. They've had the cupcake fixtures and they've pulled out all the necessary points all 12, you know, it's very impressive compared to last year where Arsenal loses their first three matches. The whole side is under fire. Uh, it's just a much more composed and settled team. Like we saw Gabriel make that huge mistake to give up to the Mitrovic goal. And later on, he has the perseverance, as did the whole squad, to come back and, and pull out the win. And so I think, again, this is a team that has showing a lot of maturity but their key players who are all in the age range of 22 to 26 are really growing a lot together. And 
it's uh, it's impressive so far. So kudos to them, and we'll see how long this run can go. They have easy fixtures for the next four, so we would expect them to win a couple more of these matches and keep the pressure on at the top of the table. Yeah, and they're racing out early when a lot of the other teams tip for top four finishes have Champions League football now that will be distracting them from the Premier League. So uh, great start for the Gunners. Last match we want to touch on is Spurs 2-4-0. The Spurs travel to the city ground for the first time in forever, but it doesn't matter. Harry Kane is the same old guy he is every game week, and he's proving and putting to bed that rumor and misnomer that he can't score goals in August because he has started out really, really strong. He bags a brace in this match, but he misses a penalty kick. So he only ends up on seven overall, um, which was pretty fortunate for managers that went without him. And also fortunate, Ivan Perisic comes off early with only a clean sheet. This is panic stations if you don't own him because he's now rested and will likely get the start again in game week five. So yes, he didn't go big with a double digit haul, but he's probably going to get the start uh, on the short midweek because he got rested. So um, both players firmly on my watch list as I do not have a Spurs player. Yeah, same here. I think Perisic is one that you just have to, again, manage your expectations when he doesn't start, but he looked pretty solid uh, on a few attacking opportunities. Uh, this Kane experience was just a bit of a roller coaster because, like you said, he ends up on 10 total points, could have been on 17, and the penalty missed is minus two points. And then he also got a yellow card. And but then he ended up on max bonus because he gets the final goal. So what a what a what a weird route to a 10 point or double digit haul return. I just also want to shout out the sun experience hasn't uh, risen yet this season. He su gets subbed early at about the 73 minute mark. And he was visibly for the first time in years, super frustrated for being subbed off early. Uh, he had a couple reads, I think, when they actually had the advantage in the box that he just missed. And Sun's just uh, not quite on form yet. I think he's starting to press a little bit for his first goal as well. So uh, he's going to continue to drop in price if anybody still owns him. But at this point, Kane is looking like the far superior asset. And then Kulu is looking to be far better value than Sun. Yeah, and when Richarlison comes on, guy's eating Sun's lunch right now. So uh, it's going to be uh, panic stations if you swerved Salah and KDB for Hyungman Sung at this point in the FPL season. Probably uh, time to do a minus four hit or even consider a wild card if you're stuck in that position. With that, let's transition to look ahead to game week five. Uh, we don't have to look far. It's coming. Put your readers on, your, your uh, near sight uh, glasses on if you need them because it's about to smack you in the face starting game week five on Tuesday. And there are a number of matches that we want to touch on because we think they're appealing for FPL purposes, but also because they have unbalanced rest. And that's something important to note as we pick teams and consider transfers. So Tuesday's match, Brighton at Fulham. I expect Brighton are going to be heavy favorites in that one. And Chelsea travel to Southampton. Same thing. I think both away teams will be likely favored in those games. Equal rest in both those fixtures. But then we come to Wednesday and things get really interesting. Villa travel to play Arsenal. Forest go to City. Spurs go to West Ham. And Newcastle to Liverpool. And notably, Villa, Forest, and Newcastle will be traveling for these matches and under less rest time than their hosts. So I think 
Villa, Forest, and Newcastle are teams to target for FPL captaincy and for transferring in players from those far superior sides in Arsenal, City, and Liverpool. So bet on those if you can. Yeah, I think I was very excited to see how this Newcastle team would perform against Liverpool, but we're seeing a lot of injuries creep into the side for Newcastle as well. Following that great 3-3 draw with City earlier, we now have them missing Bruno G. We have them missing Callum Wilson. ASM gets the amazing volley at the end of the 90th minute to pull out a draw this week, but he was holding his hamstring. So they're actually running into a lot of injuries right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform. Um, meanwhile, Liverpool is coming off this huge 9 nothing victory, and they have this home match. And then on the weekend, they actually are playing Everton. So they're not leaving or traveling at all for this huge stretch of three matches. So I think, again, if you have your three Liverpool assets, hold them. They might actually play each match uh, compared to some of their counterparts in the league who have to do a lot of travel while also playing midweek fixtures. Yeah, that's a great shout and uh, something interesting, a quirk in the schedule that's worth highlighting. Last match that we want to focus on is a Thursday fixture, United travel to King Power Stadium to play Leicester. Both teams will be on extremely short rest for game week six. So it might not be worthwhile to make a transfer move in game week five to target anyone from these teams because they will be ragged come game week six where they're going to go on less than 72 hours rest. They'll have two and a half days rest before they play again in game week six. Yeah, and thinking about Leicester, we see that Madison is flagged. He misses out on their last match versus Chelsea and kind of wonder if somebody swoops in in the last 72 hours here before the September 1st transfer window closes. So we're still going to see a few big signings. I know United just splashed the cash on Anthony from a former Ajax player under ETH. So very interesting to see these last few deals come across the line. I know we're looking forward to Fafana becoming official with the Blues. And then all of a sudden, just again, talking about Chelsea defense, you have two very, very premium types of players in Fafana and Cucurella who are severely underpriced for the whole season because of the way that the, that this window exactly. has kind of fallen towards the start of the FPL season. So it is interesting to think about Fafana at 4.4. He could be a player that maybe you go with him and James to uh, have a kind of Chelsea double up. Even if you don't start Fafana every week, 4.4 is absurd value. Um, once he you know settles into the side and hopefully by the time of first wild card, maybe game week eight or nine, he might be ready to go. Yeah, and Reese James now likely going to be pushed into right wing back as a more permanent position, which adds even greater oh, upside and value. You to love, him in FPL. you love that. Love you it. love to hear that because we need him, you know, stepping into that mount role, um, at being attacking and servicing um the likes of sterling so uh all right let's keep it moving here bucks let's talk about our watch list for game week five who are some players this past weekend that jumped out at you that we should potentially consider to join our squads yeah so first and foremost i think we should advise managers and listeners to keep the faith regarding two highly owned and highly transferred in players uh, mo sala and rodrigo this is a blip and we always knew that that Brighton match for Leeds was going to be a tough one. So if you just transferred in Rodrigo, like I did, 
you really were targeting game week five to seven for his return. So he would definitely be a player I would stick with. And Mo Salah, he's going to come due, and I expect he'll be extremely motivated when he sees the rest of his team celebrating following that Bournemouth match. He's going to want a return, if not multiple, against Newcastle. So I would keep the faith with him. Otherwise, players we already mentioned, specifically Luis Diaz at 8.1 million and 25% owned. I think it's clear that he is the top 8 million range midfield option. He's distinguished himself from Kulu, from Madison. He's fit. He's super attacking. And Liverpool are going for it because their defense is shaky this season. So he's one to get if you don't have a triple up on Liverpool. Diaz is somebody that I now have my eyes on, just knowing that I have moved off of Robbo. And he's a player that has that double-digit potential. So I think it's great to see him in form at his price tag because when managers, again, come to that first wild card, you might see Salah dropped and just have Diaz in a cheaper role there. So, you know, other players that I think I'm kind of excited about is Perisic, even though he is going to be an up and down type of player, he will get some early clean sheets locked in. Like, you know, he got subbed off at 70 minutes, banks that clean sheet, even though Spurs did look a bit nervy in the last kind of 30 minutes versus Forrest. And you you love to see that. So I think he just, whether he plays 20 minutes or plays 70, he can chip in four to nine points very easily. Um, so he's a player that's on my watch list that I just don't know if I'll be able to fit him in until first wild card. Elsewhere, Bucks, I thought Tony, it's him and Mitro as those mid-price forwards. I know we keep talking about them, but they really look sharp. Um, Tony had a header that glanced off the, the crossbar. He easily could have come into a big haul versus Everton. And then Mitrovic finds a way. Very low XG game for Fulham versus Arsenal, but he is doing something, again, that he didn't do in his last couple stints in the Premier League, and that's press. And he forces Gabriel into a bad mistake and just capitalize immediately. So he's also a player, even though they have mixed fixtures, seems to be delivering. And if he can make his penalties, he's going to be on 150 points as a 6.5 striker. So like those guys as well. Yeah, great shouts. Just two more to add in the midfield. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan, we touched on him earlier, 7.6 million, 5% owned. Uh, Bernardo Silva staying at Man City could complicate his minutes long-term, but because he was rested for game week four, I expect he'll get the start for game week five when they play Forest. Yum, yum. So that's a short-term transfer move for sure. And then Pascal Gross, 5.8 million, the clear best 5.5 million midfielder and below from the start of the season. He's really distinguished himself. He's now 13% owned. And what's notable about Gross is that he's playing out of position as the second striker option alongside Danny Welbeck. And though Brighton do not score a lot of goals, whenever they do score a goal, that means they're very likely that player will get bonus points. So I think those both contribute to Gross having great upside despite his low price tag. Yeah, and in addition, just Brighton, cheap assets galore. Sanchez in goal. Dunk comes in with a seven-pointer. Veltman is getting a lot of bonus opportunities as well, completing a lot of passes, getting up the pitch a little bit. So I think if you're looking for a defender and maybe you're already tripled up on the Arsenal guys because Saliba is 4.6, 4.7, going and getting a d- defender from Brighton does make a lot of sense. Yeah, but remember, Mopai, no way. Do not go anywhere close to him. He's now on Everton. He's transferred out <laughs> of the club. 
Good riddance. Everton. I, I thought he was on Forest. <laughs> let's take our last break. And when we come back, we'll touch on transfers and captaincy for game week five. All right, Bucks, let's round it up with our transfer thoughts and captaincy shouts. I have one free transfer and 0.9 in the bank because I made a double move last week and moved Robbo on to free up some funds. And so now I will be correcting my big gamble in the goalkeeper position. I'll be moving the 3.9 pound Iverson out of here and bringing in Bob the Monster Sanchez. What a boring boring move but it really solidifies my team and i made a couple of gambles on the likes of bailey and on the lester defense double up in key, in the keeper slot Oof, those have not paid off at all and uh now i finally have the team in game week five that i wished i had in game week one so i've been behind the curve terrible overall rank but hey we're going to the moon from here and we're going to get some green arrows i love that move uh very necessary and uh notable for our listeners that you are now ahead of me in the goalkeeper transfer category for oh, the season. This, this is not a, this <laughs> is not a prize. I, yeah. This is not a prize. I want to win, especially after, uh, you know, you lapped me a few times last year in the keeper transfers. All right. Let's talk about your moves. What do you got here, Bucks? So I have one free transfer 0.2 million in the bank. My team does need some tinkering and changes, but I don't feel like the midweek matches is really the best opportunity for me to go about that. So I'm going to roll my transfer for me, Cancelo and Rabo are on the hot seat, but they both appear to be fit and first choice despite early substitution. So I'm just going to stick and twist going into next game week, roll the transfer and hopefully have some bigger swings for game week six. My big swing in game week five, though, is I'm going to captain one Erling Holland. I know there's concern he might be rested, but he just looks spectacular. So I'm going to back him and I'm going to back City to just demolish Forest at home. And my vice captaincy will be between Trent and Sala. Right now it's on Trent. So uh, a lot can change with that decision between now and Tuesday. Yeah, I'm still up in the air on captains, to be honest. I'm considering three players. And that is Holland, Cancelo, and TAA. These are, again, players potentially that'll be differentials. I think the Holland cap, like you said, it could be a bit dicey. Um, we could see him rested and maybe Foden starts in the false nine or Alvarez starts up top instead. But we have no idea at this point. So um, this will be our first data point to kind of understand what Pep's going to do with Holland. But coming off of those three goals, and like we said, he is super explosive even in 20 to 30 minutes so yeah and city have more rest before this match than they do before their game week six match so i'm actually hoping that he'll start against forest and get the rest in game week six with that that brings us to the end of our episode we are again going to be closing access to our fpl blues podcast mini league this friday if you want to join an awesome competition free you'll get weekly podcast shout outs for good performance and there are end of the season prizes that we will ship to you no matter where you are in the world it's free to enter using code 4mums2 love to get you involved for mums2 for your mates2 for brian and us we're signing off great pod brian we'll be back in your airwaves very soon with another quick deadline coming this week so we'll have a few quick pods 
And uh, Bucks, I know you're getting your wisdom teeth pulled, so we might even have a guest pod come on here and help host with me this week after the midweek fixtures. Bucks, good luck with that uh, that surgery. We'll see you soon. At least the FPL isn't a toothache like that is. That's for sure. <laughs> Later, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.